Hello, Democrats of Greater Tucson. I'm Charlie, the secretary of DGT, and we are trying something new. With permission from our speakers, we'll be recording their presentations and uploading them as podcasts so that people who may have missed our meetings or who might want to go back and listen to the presentation again will have the opportunity to do so. Note that DGT's meetings occur at a restaurant during lunch, so the sounds of plates and utensils clattering get picked up by the mic every now and then. We will try to find ways to mitigate that in the future. If you would like to attend our meetings, see our speakers in person, and ask them questions, you can join us at Kettle Restaurant at 22nd and I-10 most every Monday at noon. You can also see the schedule of our upcoming speakers at our website, thedgt.org. That's T-H-E-D-G-T dot O-R-G. You can support Democrats of Greater Tucson by becoming a member of our organization. Membership is $20 for the year, and you can join us by either going to our website, thedgt.org, and clicking the Pay Dues link at the top of the page, or by coming to one of our meetings and paying your dues in person. Help elect Democrats by supporting us as we continue to offer a platform to Democratic candidates and speakers who support Democratic causes. Our speaker today is Richard Elias, who has been serving us on the Pima County Board of Supervisors representing District 5 since 2002. Here is Richard. You know, we were talking a little bit about down ballot. And our constables are critical. What they're doing right now between Kristen, Joe, and Bennett Bernal is changing the way we're doing addictions here in Pima County. It's great work. It's outstanding leadership. That's where it's at young people and people who are willing to take on this job that's really very difficult. Who wants to be in charge of evicting somebody? No. There's nothing more miserable than that. But I think what these three folks are doing is showing us uh, that we can do it with a heart. We can do it with some caring. And maybe prevent some evictions from happening in the future by making us all think about some stuff. So uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that in a while when I talk about housing. Um, First of all, I, I got to say thank you to all these people. Thank you to DGT, obviously, for inviting me and letting me come here and, and speak to you all. And, and thanks to my family for uh, putting up with me, and especially my wife, Emily. Every day I come home and the locks haven't been changed. It's probably a good sign. Um, my daughter, Luz, who is a character, and uh, she's always been real supportive of me. And, and so I'm thankful for the, the two of them because they're, they're really um, the folks that keep me going and, and make me feel okay. And they, they protect me. And they give me a place to hide. And they give me love. And nothing could be more important sometimes when you're in the public life than those three things. You know? Because that's all, not always easy to come by. Uh, then another family I have, you know, some people have multiple families, and I definitely do. And so uh, the people who work at District 5 are my family as well. And so Keith Bagwell is uh, a great man who's worked with me for the entirety of my life. And then Maharva Ramirez is my scheduler and a good friend of many people here. If you ever need to call the office, Maharva's usually the one who answers the bone first. Um, and then Amanda Monroy is another new staffer that I have. Give her a nice round of applause. She's, she's doing great. Her mom has done a lot of work in our community for many years on the South Side, helping people understand uh, 
public health and how they might live a longer life. But Amanda's bright and has a lot of heart uh, for a lot of those issues. And um, and then there's Naharin Jebro, who's over there taking pictures of me right now as we speak. And uh, she's a good friend and, and works with our neighborhoods in particular and is out there at many meetings. All, all, all the staff goes to neighborhood meetings, but Naharin, that's kind of her daily way. And uh, she always does a great job of it. Well, we've had our hands full working with these neighborhoods here along the um, gem show route, so to speak, over the last few weeks. We'll talk about that some more in a few minutes. Uh, but the notion of homeless people in this area and how they're treated when this event comes to town is something that we should all uh, think about carefully because it's not always putting our best foot forward, to be quite honest. But it is something that we, like I said, we'll talk about it in a minute. Um, 18 years, you know, I don't know. They get an old horse and they send him over to the glue factory. <laughs> Hopefully I'm not quite ready for that. I got most of my teeth. And I'm going to keep on working at it every day. Because I believe in all of this. I believe in this place. And um, as difficult as it is to carry that some days. Because not everything goes my way. I remain a believer in all of this, and I'm going to keep at it as long as I can. So to the voters in District 5, I have to say thank you as well. Gosh, you know, I want to talk a little bit about stuff that we've had some success at over the last couple years and uh, over the time that I've been in office. And uh, one of those things is, of course, uh, Stone Garden and turning that grant down. And that's a really hard one for, for a lot of people to get. Because it's free money. But right now, the way things are in Washington with DHS, they have a license to break every law in the United States. There was an article in the newspaper this weekend said that they have command over 40 different laws that they break every day at will. This is not what we should be doing. This is not what we should have our sheriffs doing. I know Chris Nanos believes in that and I appreciate that. Um, when our sheriffs are out on Stone Garden, guess what? They are under the command of Border Patrol, not Pima County. The main thing for us to remember, I think when we hear criticisms about that, is to say, you know what? I want our Pima County sheriffs answering calls from the citizens of Pima County protecting them, and I want everyone to know that when a sheriff shows up at your house, he's not the enemy, she's not the enemy. They are our friends. And for a lot of folks right now, the way things are with immigration in the world, they're scared. So that's a reality. Road repair, still moving along slowly, but we finally got some money to go ahead and do that with, and that's pay-as-you-go money. We are going to make sure that we protect the people who live in the inner city and the other jurisdictions, like the city of Tucson. Our money's not just going to um, the uh, unincorporated areas of the county, but it's also going into city roads, too. And I think that's real important, because now we're using property taxes. 
And every single one of you pays property taxes, so you deserve a return on your investment. You deserve a return on your investment. A lot of people like to make it out that roads are the biggest problem we have in Pima County. I don't think that's true. Because in all candor, what we need to fix the roads is money. We know how to fix a pothole. We know how to rebuild a road. Some of the things we do, there are no easy answers. There are no easy answers up the street over here at the Pima County Jail. Almost all of those people will be back on the streets with the rest of us. We've got to put them in a situation where they want to behave. See, that's not just about money. That's about something else. When we run human service programs to try and help kids stay out of trouble, to try and help our kids complete their education in the best way they can, that's not about money. It is about money if you're 46 out of 50. Note to the legislature. But it's about something that's more valuable than that. So we gotta put things in perspective sometimes. And we gotta have a deeper understanding of that. And guys, I gotta tell you, that's what the Democratic Party's been about all my life. That's why I'm proud to be a Democrat. That's why it's great to be in a room full of Democrats this afternoon. So I'm just pleased to be here. You know, the soccer fields that we built over here on the 10, it's going to be a great economic boom for us, bringing in tournaments, creating more opportunities for kids to be able to exercise and find their health, for adults to be able to do that as well. And the potential for growth is there, both in terms of economic development and what's happening there on the south side. How often do we get a chance to develop property for government on one of the major interstates of the United States of America. And that's exactly what we've got a chance to do. And we should invest in the South Side because the time is right. And if you look at the growth that's been happening in business over there, you know that very quickly we're going to have a hotel, we're going to have some restaurants, we're going to have some places for the entirety of our community to be able to use. This is not a waste. This is an investment. And I'm very proud to say that it's an investment in the South Side because it needs to happen. It absolutely needs to happen. And we, as taxpayers, are the catalyst behind that. Very important issue, I think. We continue to do well with land conservation. We continue to protect the places that are the most sacred to us, both in terms of natural resources and cultural resources. We forget about them because we do well with it. That is our identity. And if you start to take apart the numbers behind our economy, what you figure out really quickly, that's the thing that makes us money here in our community is the beautiful place where we live in the desert. And so we have to protect that. We have to protect that. Because guess what? That's not happening all the time. Let's talk about that for just a minute, and I'm going to stray off here. Our river, 
It's not the Bruce River. We're sitting right next to it, right now. The Trump administration eviscerated the Clean Water Act rule of 2015. There are no protections right now for the Santa Cruz River from pollution, from people who would just wantonly throw things in the river, including poisons, toxins. They kill all of us. And if you don't think it's happening, you're wrong. During the past year, it's come out that PFAs have been uh, thrown in the arroyos surrounding the airport, the Air National Guard, and the Air Force Base. So when you throw things in a, what appears to be a dry river, it's going to end up in our water. It's going to end up in our supplies. And in this case, it manifested itself way upstream in Moran which tells you also how little we understand how the water works underground. But I gotta tell you something, folks. I'm committed to making sure this issue stays on the table and we have got to work with the state. And what we really wanna see is the continuation of the US Army Corps of Engineers taking care of the river and monitoring what happens out there because they know what they're doing. They have years of experience doing this. District 5, my district, faced the scourge of TCE for many years. And thousands of our residents died and are suffering right now from various forms of cancer, from lupus, from all kinds of things. They're gone. <coughs> That river is our lifeblood. It is our lifeblood here in Pima County. It's our lifeblood in Tulsa. It's how we exist. And if you really think about it, the aquifer that we share, and I say we share, really extends from Imuris down in Sonora, all the way to Casa Grande. We're all dependent on it. That's how this area lives. So, Land conservation, water conservation, we've done okay. But now we face a new task that we're gonna to have to resolve because it is not going to be easy. The other thing is uh, protecting uh, people who have come here seeking asylum and creating a place for them to be able to go and be protected as well. These are not people who are coming here who want to live here. These are people that are passing through on their way to go meet their sponsors here in the United States. These are not undocumented people. These are people who have legal status right here in the United States. We've created a place for them to be able to be in transit and keep moving and be protected a little bit. The horrors that they faced on their ways here are beyond what we can really consider. And so having a safe place for those children, for those mothers, for those fathers, to be able to spend a couple days, get their bearings, and move on, is critical. Most of them get a bus ticket to go wherever they're going. A lot of them don't even speak Spanish. They speak their indigenous tongues from the countries they come from. 
Have you ever looked at a bus ticket? When was the last time, everybody? Anybody in this room had a bus ticket in their hand? I love. There's two. There's three. They're about 15 pages long. They are, and they got all these rules. They got all these things in them. Now, if you speak Quechua, how are you going to understand that? Who's going to help you understand that? And you've got to go to some place in Pennsylvania to meet your family members. See, that's why Tucson's a great place. That's why Pima County is a great place. Because we don't abandon people on the street the way the Border Patrol would have us do. Instead, we hold your hand and we help you find a way back to your family. That's what this country needs to be about. Not separating families. Yeah. Not separating families. I think I'm real proud of, of, of that whole motion that we share. Does everybody have maybe a different way we want to do it? Yeah. yeah. I understand that completely. But we don't stand down. We gotta keep moving. And we gotta help these folks. It's the best thing for all of us to be able to do. Some things about the future I think are critical for us too. I've always been an advocate for affordable housing. That's what I did for most of my career in the private sector before uh, becoming an elected official. I worked for Chicago's for La Causa, a nonprofit, and I started a for-profit construction subsidiary for them named La Causa Construction. And we built homes and we made a difference right here in the neighborhoods that are adjacent to us. I'm very proud of each and every one of those houses. I drive by them sometimes and a little tear comes out of the corner of my eye because I know how hard it was to get each one of those houses built. Well, all of that is back with a vengeance. We need to have home ownership opportunities for low-income families who are looking for a way to invest in their community and have a place where they're gonna live for a long time into the future. But we also gotta understand that that's not for everybody. We need affordable apartments badly. Because not everybody can afford a home ownership opportunity, and not everybody wants that. But the minute you say affordable housing and apartments, people go, oh no. Oh no, those people are coming over here. Well, those people are just like the people sitting at your table. That's true. That's who we are. And that's who needs help. So apartments, absolutely critical deal. The issue of homelessness continues to get worse. It continues to get worse. And our description of who's homeless needs to change. Because it's not just the traditional group of people who have not had home. When I was a little kid, I grew up in Armory Park. We used to call them wino. Even if they weren't wino, that's what we called them. Right? And I remember being a little kid. I was like in first grade. And I got in trouble because I was feeding people in the alley. I was making bean sandwiches. White bread, beans, and red devil. <laughs> you guys want a sandwich? So we're walking downtown, and all these guys are sleeping on the ground, and one of them wakes up and 
looks at me, and I'm holding my mama's hand, and he goes, hi, Richard, how are you? <laughs> my mom was like, how come that man knows you? <laughs> well, I've been making them sandwiches. That's where all the beans are going. <laughs> I got in a little bit of trouble. But in the end, our family, the Elias family, all agreed. But that's the message we got in church every Sunday. Is to take care of us, take care of us. So I didn't get in that much trouble. But I was told I couldn't beat people in the alley. Okay, so now here we are. I won't even tell you how many years later. And uh, Pima County's busy fixing uh, the rivers, our flood control district. Uh, we've moved over 200 homeless cash from the waterways. And how many do you think got moved so we could have this gem show happening in this area today? It's right here in our backyards, folks. And we don't think about it all the time. We've got to find a way to treat people with some human dignity so they have some alternatives. Because not everybody wants those alternatives. Some people want to live that lifestyle. We may not understand that. We may not get that. But we've got to be real. And we've got to recognize that there's a human being. And that we should share our place. And share our way of doing things with them. So we can protect them. Evictions. Where do we start? Joe, Crystal, you know, Crystal, excuse me, um, doing great work. They've changed the way we do evictions. But I gotta tell you, it's way out of whack right now. It's way out of whack. One of the best ways to prevent homelessness is to help stop people getting evicted before they lose their home. And what opportunities are there for people when they do lose their home? And what has happened to HUD? What has happened to housing and urban development under the leadership of Ben Carson? He wasn't even that good a surgeon. Fair market rents are way out of whack. They're too low. So even if you got a Section 8 certificate and you're paying the fair market rent, is too low because your landlord can go out and rent that same apartment for more money than Section 8's going to pay him. So then something lousy happens. I don't know. I don't know. When I was a kid, I had this really great 65 Chevy Bel Air that I loved. <laughs> but I always had crappy tires on that car, right? And every time those tires went, I had a crisis in my household. <laughs> That's how simple, that's how it happens. When one of those families that's on Section 8 has a problem that throws their budget off, they face eviction. And when a family on Section 8 is evicted, it's estimated they spend about two years in homelessness. These are kids. These are moms. Go over to Casa Maria, and see who's in the line waiting for food. 
it will wake you up. It will change the way you think about who is homeless in our community. Critical issue. Gentrification is the other one this week. And if you don't think it's happening, again, right here in the backyard of this building, over in District 5, the neighborhood named Barrio Sin Nombre. It's a nice neighborhood. Adjacent to Menlo Park. Adjacent to the Mercado. In the car. El Rio. All the fancy things in life. Good place to raise your family. The streets are asphalt on dirt. No street lights. No sidewalks. There's no curbs. In that neighborhood, because we've been out walking, getting signatures. In that neighborhood, there's like more than 20 brand new duplexes that have been built. And the rents on those things ain't affordable to anybody who's lived in that neighborhood their whole life. <laughs> progress is progress, you guys. But I'm a seventh generation. The neighborhoods we built were done with people who cared about each other, people who went to school together, people who went to church together, maybe people who were in the same labor union, people who shared a common interest in the way they lived their lives. People who talk to each other. Maybe some crazy kid making bean sandwiches, handing them out in the alley. That's what our neighborhoods have been made of. Everything changes, right? That's the one thing we can be sure of. But it's a really bad feeling when things change so much you that you know you no longer have a place in the neighborhood that you built that your love was shared in, that your family was raised That's frightening to people, and it makes them angry. We gotta defend the neighborhoods in this area. All the neighborhoods that surround downtown, Rincon Heights, Barrio San Antonio, uh, Ochoa, Mission View, Barrio Viejo, this neighborhood, Kroger Lane, Barrio Sin Nombre, Menlo Park, Hollywood, Barrio Blue Moon, Dunbar. That's where it's happening. Do you see how many neighborhoods I just reeled off right now? Those are just the ones who touch the periphery of downtown. Think about it. How do we protect our community and keep their interests on the table so that we remember that we're all in this together. And that that's how you build a great community, with family, with people who care about it. Guess what? With people from different colors and different races and different cultures. These guys on the radio that spew all this hatred about Pima County, they love to make fun of Grant and Albanon. You ever listen to them? Yeah. They talk about our refugees like they're the scum of the earth. 
Most of those refugees are coming from countries that war has been taking place. And for the most part, they've been our allies. But somehow, because you wear a flowered dress and a bright colored hairdo on a hairpiece on top of your hair, you don't belong here. You're some kind of anomaly. Personally, when I wear my flowered dresses, I get really <laughs> I'm trying not to go on for too long, but I always do. I know, Larry's trying to cut me off. I got a couple more things that I am gonna say though, and then I'll take a couple quick questions. Quality oh. preschool for all people who need it is a huge issue. We need to help our school districts. We need to help our kids. The state legislature is not going to do that, but we can put our kids on the right trajectory. It can't be done. It's a very expensive proposition. I'm not going to lie to you. But what's the value in it? Okay, so a couple weeks ago, I was in a quality preschool over in Midtown. Little kid, looked like he was about four, making a volcano. That's not so impressive. It's not. Who didn't want to make a volcano when you were four years old? Especially if it would really blow up. But he pointed out to me all the scientific items that he had included on this volcano. I couldn't do that. I can't do that now. That's all you really need to know. Are we going to deny our kids a chance to be successful? in a different kind of way, I, I don't think we should. And I don't think we should just dismiss school systems as being failing. It's not it. Do they need to be changed and improved? Hell yes. But we need to invest in our kids when they're younger and get it going in the right direction. Um, we got another issue that's coming up here soon. Uh, there's a kickoff next Saturday. Um, that's about providing legal representation to undocumented people. And it's critical. We send people into American courts for deportation hearings with no lawyers. These are not streamlined. This is not Operation Streamline. These aren't people who've been arrested crossing the border. These are our neighbors who have been living us with living with us for 10, 15, 20 years. The policies of the Trump administration have put these people in jeopardy, put them in court, they face deportation, they face their families being destroyed. Some people say separated, I like to say destroyed. We've got to help provide them legal representation going to be on your ballot, probably to vote for. So please support that. Please think about that issue. It's critical to us. I'll, I'll stop talking because uh, <clears throat> I could just keep doing this for a while. But I know that there's a few questions out there. So Larry, if it's okay with you, I'll, I'll yes. turn it over. Raise you. your hands if you want to ask a question. Hi. Hi. Thank, hello. Thanks for coming. Um, here with the group called the uh, Citizens for a Save for Pima County, I mean that among other things. And uh, we are trying, right now, anybody here can go to the gun show at Pima County Fairgrounds and uh, buy, buy a gun without any documentation, 
uh, without any paperwork, um, completely unlicensed sales. And our group is working to stop that so you at least have to have a background check to buy a gun. So what can you do to help us? I have been helping and I'm going to continue to help. Uh, the Southwest Fair Commission has a very unfair kind of setup going right now with protection offered to them by the state uh, legislature about gun shows. We need to have universal gun shows. If you ask Richard Elias, if you ask Richard Elias, we should not have gun shows on public property. And if you think what's going on inside the gun show with no universal background checks, what goes on in the parking lot is even worse. Because when you walk in, some guy's got his trunk open, and as you walk by, he says, Orale, senor, you want to buy a 38? 30 bucks. See, he wants a bigger one. Puro chiste, just kidding. But you see what happens? See, that's why we shouldn't have them on public property. I'm not against ownership of guns. That's all fine. Uh, most people are pretty normal. Gun culture, I think we ought to talk about. But we ought to do everything we can to make sure that we create a safer community. Moms Demand Action is doing that. I'm proud of all of you guys. I'm going to keep working with you. We're going to get this thing done. Hi, could you could you give us some description of what Pima County is doing to um, help us face the challenges of uh, the climate crisis with maybe making things like solar and other renewables more affordable, um, things ways to help people yeah. sure. change their housing and our and, sustainability and plan is really, I think. One of the best ones by government anywhere. You should take a look at that online, Pima.gov. Take a look at our sustainability plan, and I think it's really moving in the right direction. Um, the economics behind um, solar and other types of renewable energy are decidedly not in our favor right now. Ultimately, I think it's due to the utility companies and their reticence to allow that industry to be successful. It's wrong, they're a monopoly. They're a monopoly anyways. We need to change all of that. It's very difficult though. But what I would say is that we also better get hip to the fact that everything we do to protect land is open space. Everything we do to protect this river, everything we do to prevent Rosemont Mine from being built in the long scheme of things protects us from climate change. Those are the big, huge enemies that we gotta face. Are we all gonna get out of our cars? No, not likely, not likely. But we ought to think about how we could. And we ought to think about a future where that's not an issue, because fossil burning fuels are what is destroying the world and destroying the earth. And so we also have to get very hip to that. But in the meantime, Every single one of us has to do what we can do and step up to the plate and make a difference and recognize that those are the most difficult questions of our time. There's a reason that Trump and some of the crazy guys in Maduro over there in South America all hate the Paris Accords. Because they know it's going to change the way we do business in the world. 
But we can't let that stop us. We have to recognize that that's how we're going to survive. There's only one Earth. I don't know where you're going to go. I don't know where you're going to run. Mars looks okay, but, you know, it's kind of cold. I look good in red, though. So I, I, yeah, I don't mean to make light of it, but what I'm saying is there's no place to go. This is our place. So, um, that's quick, back there? Oh, I'm sorry, yes. I'm a sorry. quick comment and a question. The comment is that I was reading the county's procedures for calculating impact fees last night. Uh, and um, if the county didn't find ways to eliminate 70% of what they estimate the costs are, the county would have another $4,000 per household, and the city would have $12,000. So, you want some more money? That's one way to do it. The question, though, is our housing. As you're quite familiar with, um, we have 100,000 homes over 50 in the county now. And in 10 years, that will double to 200,000. And so the question is, is is that a, an individual private problem or do we have to act as a community to figure out what to do with it? Uh, it's something that we have to act as a community to resolve. You're right. Uh, because we got great housing stock, really, in Tucson. A lot of our old homes are, are beautiful and stately and make sense, but their systems are dying. And so those systems need to be replaced and uh, that can be very difficult. So that's part of that whole affordable housing equation we were talking about a while ago. And so the rehab of older homes at an affordable rate is critical to all of us. Government needs to lead the way in helping the lending sector get on board with the fact that we've got to find affordable ways for people to be able to stay living in their homes. It, it, it's a very complicated problem problem but think about all those great neighborhoods right in the central part of tucson right here in the south side of tucson right here in the west side of tucson the near north side that were built in the 1970s that were built in the 1960s and i gotta tell you some of the houses in the 1980s ain't doing so hot either because they weren't built with the same kind of value engineering that houses were prior to that so absolutely community-based issue we all need to think about how we get there to make our homes healthier for people. <coughs> Thank you, Chris. Chris. Yeah, I, I just have a comment, and it's not for you, Richard, it's for the people here. I've known Richard for a few years now, and I personally got to sit in on some board meetings and watch the stresses and the people come in and just hammer our board of supervisors, and it made me appreciate the work they do. And hearing Richard today, I think you all can recognize how complex a lot of the issues are they face. But to me, Richard has always been one who has always dealt with these measures with his heart. What he believes is right, he does it. He may not always be right, but you cannot fault someone who does things for what they believe to be right. And I want to thank you for that, Richard. Thank you. Couple more questions and then we're going over to 
Thanks, Richard. Um, so this is a question that I'm not just giving to you, but I'm really giving it to every Latino politician in the area. To begin with, I loved everything you said. I just want to start with that, because you may not love this question as much as I loved what you said. So we have a good number of Latinos in office in the city of Tucson and in Pima County, which I think we should all feel <clears throat> proud of. But at the same time, at least in LD3, where I am, we have very low voter turnout and voter engagement among the Latino community. So what's the disconnect? Is, are there things that you all could be doing? I mean, I know there are things that we could be doing, we, the Democratic Party, could be doing. But are there things that you all could be doing that could show that community that there is a reason to be involved in electoral politics in this area? That's a really good question. And, and you're right. And you're right. Uh, but I don't dislike your question. I, I think it's one of the million dollar questions I think about all the time. And not just for Latinos, but for all working families. Because we're all kind of in the same boat. And we don't always have the time to focus on the politics of the day. And then when we start talking about down ballot, we seem to lose interest even more. Are there things we should be doing as Latino elected officials? Yes. But, you know, Latinos are really wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people. And I'm proud of my culture. I'm proud right. of my history. And I tell people the only thing that ties us together in the world as Latinos is Spanish. But don't ever forget that the largest Latino country in the world speaks Portuguese. <laughs> so we're confused. We've got to find a pathway to stop being confused. The president of the United States, when he started his first campaign for presidency, said we're a bunch of rapists and that we're no good. Murders. What? 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 That's terrible. So this racism that's being thrown on people has really deeply affected us, I think, over the last few years as well. And, and, and it's made matters much worse. And I think a lot of us had hopes that we were getting past some of those issues in life. But we find out now that we were very wrong. That we were very wrong. So I think we need to act stronger. But I can't be the conscience of every Latino elected official in Southern Arizona. I can't be them. I can only take care of myself and think about the things that I need to do to represent people the way I think is important. That's very sad. I wish we had some kind of medicine that we could give everybody that would help make them interested in participating in because I think we could change the world. But that's not possible. So what we've got to do is keep working and keep being the Democrats that stand up and talk about serious issues. This, 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 this situation that we're in with Trump and all of that is a good example of all of that, you guys. We've got to be the ones who stand up. We've got to be the ones that offer some kind of change. I'm not so sure I'm hearing that from everybody. And that troubles me. 
But my dad used to say, Mijo, be the first one in the room to stand up for human rights and stand up for civil rights. Don't be afraid. Open your mouth. Say something. Be the first one in the room to defend somebody who's being attacked. That's a little bit of a start. Getting us out of our shell and saying, no, I'm not scared no more. And if we can't change the world, even though I think we can, we can protect our part of the world. And that's what I was talking about when I was talking about providing legal counsel to undocumented people in deportation hearings. That's protecting our part of the world. Quality preschool for all kids, that's protecting our part of the world. And it is those low-income, working family kids that are going to benefit from that the most. We have to be unashamed and unequivocal in our support for that kind of thing. Thank you. Concerned about. Uh, I heard that the legislature is trying to pass another bill that gives more money to vouchers for schools. Wow. And uh, I'm really concerned about that. I think we, it should go the other way. We need more money in public education. What What can the county do? Probably not much on that issue, other than being supportive of our legislators who continue to fight it. Um, I do think that the issue of Quality preschool plays into that as well. Um, because we need to lift up all our students. And vouchers are the antithesis of that. Vouchers are about lifting up those folks who are already lifted up. And that's not going to cut it. Because that's not how our neighbors live. That's not how we live. we got to think about everybody and how we can best get them going in the direction that's important. So when you hear these voucher schemes or any of the other attacks on public education that, that people seem to toss around so freely, stand up and say you're crazy. 90% of our kids go to public schools. We need to be proud of them and take care of them and take care of those schools and take care of the neighborhood-based kind of education system that we've created in this country. And you know what? Community college should be free too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And universities that are state institutions should be free too. Mm -hmm. We talk about a technological world, just one more thing there. Talk about a technological world and how everything's changed. Then I say, let's build the smartest nation on earth. Let's give our kids a chance to be successful in that world. Yeah. I really believe that. Thank you very much. <laughs>